Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. It's good to see everybody. And man, uh, the season, not only did the time change this week, the season did. And so it just, in good old Tennessee fashion, it decided to do it all at the same time. And uh, so we got that out of the way, and I'm thankful for that. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Ben. I'm thankful that you're here today, or if you're watching in, uh, maybe it's three years later and you're watching this video, uh, hello to you in the future or wherever you're at. Um, and we're excited to be able to have an opportunity to speak about the Missio Dei, the, this mission of God that... that uh, We've had an inf- we're going to have an emphasis on for this weekend, for next week, and so I, I'm privileged to be able to uh, bring forward the word. I was trying, as knowing where, where we're headed, uh, there were lots of different passages that I was wrestling with, and um, I ended up on a passage in the book of Acts that follows the Gospels, and it's basically like... Uh, so Luke wrote one of the, the Gospels, and so he, he continues into this the Acts of the Apostles. And so it's Luke writing, and uh, the story today is going to be found in, in this book that Luke wrote called um, Acts. And we're going to be actually in chapter 10. And um, that's the passage that for, at, at the end of the day. I had lots of different ones on my, on my mind, and at the end of the day it was just, God, would you please... Show and reveal what, which one uh, that you want to speak. Because there's nothing that we could say if we're digging into God's word that will be um, useless or not not absolutely something we would walk away with and and it would change our life. Because God's word is living and active. But at the end of the day, also, I my prayer has been, God, you know exactly where we're at, what we need, even when we don't even know what we need, and uh, so. This passage, why this passage that we're going to be in today, and I feel like um, for a couple of different reasons, but one of them is that this chapter pivots and changes the New Testament church, maybe more so than any other chapter in the New Testament in terms of God's mission and its scope. Everything changed with this, with this story. And um, so we're, we're going to get a little bit into that, but um, today the title that, that, that I have is The Heart of God's Mission. And Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Um, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to open your word in public, in, 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 in a public context, to be able to read from your word, to be able to talk about it, and uh, to come together corporately to be able to sing, declare who you are, um, to listen to your living and active word. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would do what you've promised to do and that, that your word would go forth and it would not return back void, but that it would do what it was intended to do. And so thank you for that. And I, I believe that that's what you will do today. And there's nothing that I could ever say that would change anyone's life for the good, but your word does. And so... Uh, 
Thank you for this opportunity. We love you in your name we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to dive right in and we're going to read this chapter as because it is a story. And so we're just going to we're going to walk together through the chapter and we're going to take some pauses and I'm going to deliver some thoughts uh, that as we walk through this passage that things that just came out to me or I feel like that the Holy Spirit put an emphasis on or put a, um, a word that needs to be said. Uh, so taking off in the book of Acts chapter 10 verse 1 and uh, it's called Cornelius calls for Peter and so verse 1 in Caesarea there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius which is, I love the fact that we're starting out with that opening line there because um, if you've watched The Chosen, if you've read anything about through the Gospels and what Rome, the, the presence that they were for God's people and, and all of that, it starts with this Roman army officer named Cornelius who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man. That's not normal. as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. And in true fashion, when every person who's ever encountered an angel, he, it says, verse 4, Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. First uh, observation that I would like to make is that in verse 4, it said, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. And so I want to encourage you wherever you're at today, whether it's whether it's, uh, it's been a, in, a, in a moment of, in your heart, a spirit of generosity that you felt in your heart like this is, what, this is the right thing to do or I feel that, the, 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 that God has put this in my heart to do this and to be generous. And so whether it's been that or whether it's been prayers that have been offered that you feel maybe at this moment in your life, I've yet to see the answer to that. I want you to know this, that God notices our prayers and generosity. And like Pastor Ryan said earlier, you have the faith promise in front, in front of you or that was next to you or in the seat uh, close to you. But um, it's not about money. It's not about, um, it's not about the money or it's not about saying enough prayers to make God happy up there. Going back to the title, this is a heart thing. This is, about, this is not a, a, a check the boxes off so that we can be in good standings with God because there's... There's no evidence whatsoever that we could ever do anything that would earn us right standing with God. But you need to know that your prayers and your generosity are noticed by God. 
that God sees it. God knows it. And we know that God sees clearly into each one of our hearts. And so whether it's a prayer that you've been praying for a loved one to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus or, or a coworker, or it's been in a moment of just, I don't want anyone to know that, 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 that we're doing this, but I want to just bless the socks off of someone. I just want to be generous. God has been so generous to me and from a heart of that's so full to extend that same generosity to others. And God notices that. He did here with Cornelius, and he does with you as well. Continuing on in verse 9. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter, one of the, one of the twelve disciples, went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill, and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean, if God has made it clean. That's, that's so good. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheep was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed, as would anyone be, right? What could this vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, listen to this, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down in obedience and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next observation I want to make is that we need... To listen to and obey the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spoke very clearly to Peter in this moment. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us. In a moment of vulnerability, a few weeks ago, I actually had um, an opportunity to go get an MRI. If you've never had one of those, um, let, me, let, me, let me create a picture for you. Imagine you're sliding into a torpedo cell in the midst of a battleship that's out at war on the ocean. And they are surrounded by lots of other battleships. And you just happen to be inside one of those things. That's exactly what an MRI is like. Um, I think my, my ears are still ringing from the experience. 
I had earplugs in, and I still had my ears ringing when it was all said and done. And if I was claustrophobic, I would have peeled out of that thing like tuna in a tin can. But I'm not kidding you. I spent the entire time, and it felt like four hours. It was probably 20 minutes, but it felt like four hours. And I just prayed. And I, and I prayed for a couple of reasons. One, because that's what I do when I'm uncomfortable and I'm not able to move or go anywhere. And, and I'll just to be frank with you, I don't pray in the spirit a ton. I just don't. And so for some of you that are like, what in the world is that? Um, so here are in the Assembly of God circle, they believe in a Pentecostal circle that, that if you have been, uh, so all of us as Christ followers of Christ have the spirit of Christ or the spirit of God in us at, at the point of salvation. But then there is a moment where, you've, where you say, God, you know what, I I, I'm thankful for all that you've done and I want anything and everything and all that you have for me. Uh, but would you fill me with your spirit? Like what we read about back in Acts chapter 2 where the 120 were waiting in the upper room like Jesus asked them to do and they were waiting because Jesus said, hey, I know you're excited about all this and you want to tell everybody, but before you do, you're going to need something. So wait for it. And so uh, having that experience where God, his spirit fills you or... or uh, I don't even know how to the the best way to say it, but where you all of a sudden you're you're speaking in tongues. So, with that being said, there's a moment in the life of a believer if you've been filled with the Spirit to in your own prayer closet is a great opportunity to pray in the Spirit. And then, and as we're praying to the Spirit, we don't even know what we're praying, but but um, but there are things that are. At the end of the day, there's something going on supernatural, bigger than us, and in that moment, as we don't even know how to pray for ourselves, Jesus is interceding to the Father, Father on our behalf. And so, I find though in those moments of, of that I don't have super often, just to be candid and, and 100% honest with you, but in the middle of that torpedo cell, there was a lot of that going on. And when I got out of there, I had this intense desire to share or to share Jesus with this guy who who inserted me into the torpedo uh, chamber <laughs> and it wasn't because I was going to kill him and I wanted to make sure where he was going to go for eternity but but I I just felt like I felt a deep conviction like I don't know this man from Adam and he's seen me in a double gown with weird sticky socks and he's probably been looking at that for the last 20 minutes, and I don't want to freak him out. I don't want him to think that I'm on some high pain meds, and, and, he, and he's like, this guy's tripping. But in that moment, I wasn't obedient. I wasn't obedient. And I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, as you have as well experienced, when that still small voice inside pricks your heart and says, this is what I want you to do. Say this, or, 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 or go here and wait for this, or whatever it is, that still small voice inside of the, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking, and, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's subtle, but it's so clear. And I didn't, I didn't, and I didn't uh, move in that, but I know for a fact that wasn't like, that wasn't some weird thing I ate for lunch. I don't have those urges. You know, I, just, I don't wake up in the morning and just go, hey, I'm going to go on a jog and tell five people about Jesus before I go to work. That's not me. It's not natural, but I know for a fact it was the Holy Spirit pricking my heart for this, 
for this gentleman. And I've prayed since that God would give me an opportunity to be able to talk to this gentleman that, that, um, that I believe uh, God's heart broke for and wanted to use me as an opportunity to be able to, if nothing else, ask him, hey, can I pray with you about anything? Um, do you know Jesus? But we need to listen to and obey the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, like Pastor Ryan has said many times again, the Holy Spirit's never wrong. And I don't know about you, I overanalyze, I overthink pretty much everything. Literally, what sandwich I'm going to have for lunch today is probably going to be overanalyzed. But in those moments, there's no analyzing that's needed. It's obedience. We need to obey. When we hear and we listen to the Holy Spirit, we need to obey. And don't do what I did and pass that offer up. Continuing in the second part of verse 23. The next day, he went with them. And this is Peter. Peter went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, and I don't know why he said this other than he was Peter. And if you don't know what I mean, you need to read the Gospels. Go get into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, specifically Mark because it's Peter's account. But Peter says, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. Now, I'm not by any means thinking that this was an opportunity for Peter to be um, disingenuous or untruthful. But that didn't need to be said. It didn't necessarily need to be said. He didn't need to say that. But he did. And I love the fact that he said it because that's Peter. He has a foot-shaped mouth. I can relate because he's continually sticking it in there. And he says probably what no one wanted to hear, but everyone was thinking. But Peter continues, and hear this next sentence. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. The dots have been connected in his mind at this point. He's perplexed. He has this crazy vision. And in this moment, it wasn't until he had obediently followed the Holy Spirit into the home of this Gentile that he happened to just call out, by the way, that the dots are connected. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Because although he's figured out why the Holy Spirit has him there, he has no idea why Cornelius wants him at his house. Cornelius replied, Four days ago, I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner, who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you as once, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here. 
waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. The next observation that I want to make is that that God wants to confront prejudice and you're in my heart. God wants to confront that. And to be honest, at the end of the day, if I had to put in like one sentence what I feel like this story speaks to me specifically and what I feel like the one thing that needs to get across today, if nothing else is said or taken, it's that. In a world today that is riddled with division, hatred, I need you to understand what's happening today is not the result of a political war. It is not the result of vaccinated or not vaccinated. It's not the result of Republican or Democrat. It's a spiritual war. Good versus evil. God versus Satan. That is what we're seeing play out today. If you don't understand that, or if you've never been, your eyes have never been open to that, I need you to understand that that's at the root of everything we're seeing today. That's the war that's taking place. And like we've said so many different times as we've walked through this, this, this season that we're in, we just came out of a great series. We're in the book of Daniel and trying to figure out how does God want to position us in this season of time that the world's never seen before, the stuff that we've seen over the last few years, what are the opportunities at hand? And who are God's people supposed to be in this season, here and now? And I want you to understand that it's so easy to get our, our eyes and our minds on things that are tangible and materialistic or physical in this in this in the here and now. But we need to understand that there's bigger fish to fry. And like Pastor Ryan had said earlier, at the end of the day, that God has had a mission from the very beginning. Literally, as soon as the fall of man took place back in the book of Genesis, when we screwed things up, and that being the human, human race, screwed things up and we fell from this relationship and connection that we had with God because of sin, God in the same, like within the next verse, spoke, in the same passage, I don't know if it's the next verse or not, but spoke to the fact that, to Eve, that, that in essence that her, that her seed, that, that the serpent would bite or, 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 bruise, the, or bruise the heel and, and that the heel would basically crush the head of the serpent. And then into the life of a guy named Abraham, where God spoke and said specifically that through your seed or through you um, and your family that I'm going to bless all the nations. And that was handed down from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to King David to all the way down the line. This has been God's plan from the beginning. It wasn't a, oh, they really messed that up, so now i got to come up with a plan B. Like It's been his plan from all along. And because of that, he doesn't need us to accomplish his plan, but he invites us into that plan. And prejudice, at its very root, 
is, I am better than you. And it comes from pride. And I've listened to um, our pastor talk about the people that he's been shaking, shaking the heavens for. And that's God, give us the homosexual. Give us the drunkard. Give us the drug addict. Give us the person that no one else wants. Give us the people that you spent your time here on earth hanging out with and reaching for. And God is going to do that. And the reason he's going to do it is because that Jesus promised to build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail. And we can either be a part of that or or not and God's still going to accomplish it like I said earlier he doesn't need us but he wants us but in order for us to be a part of what he's doing and to be invited in and for him to use us all prejudices anything that would get in the way needs to be removed and I feel like, as, I, as, I've, as I've thought about this, as I've prayed about this, at the, end of my, at the end of the day, what I feel like is that God wants to do a work in our hearts for what he's about to do. And it's not so that then he's able to do what he's going to do, because he's going to do it anyways. But it's so that when he does it, we can find ourselves on the side of the fence that rejoices and celebrates over what God is about to do. But we kind of get to choose what side of the fence we end up on. By the choices, by the prayers that we pray, and the decisions that we make right now, today. Verse 34, Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. And he speaks back to this missio day, this idea of God blessing all the nations. Verse 35, in every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And you need to understand where Peter's coming from. He's just kind of seen what he's seen over the last couple of years, and he's about to have his eyes wide. He's about to have his peripheral widened. Let me read that again. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. He's in a Gentile's home at this point. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. This is John the Baptist, who made straight the path, or prepared the way for the Lord. Verse 38, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles... 
witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom he had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. The next thought is that Jesus was sent for all. God sent his son for all, all nations, all peoples, all backgrounds, all skin colors, all tribes, every nation. All means all. Jesus was sent for all. And what's interesting is that is Peter's kind of, just to be honest, opening his mouth and the Holy Spirit's giving him the words to speak. As we see this play out through all the lives of the apostles, as they're standing before crowds or people giving an account, the Holy Spirit's telling them and giving them the words to speak in this moment. And he starts out saying that this Jesus was sent for Israel. And he was. But by the time he gets to the end of this, he speaks that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven in his name. And that there's no favoritism. And it's in this moment that I'm wondering if Peter's even having this, like, realizing what's coming out of his mouth. Because this has not been preached up until this point by any of the disciples necessarily. In, in, in the, into the place where they actually were connected with them and they understood, oh wow, this is bigger than just Israel. And listen to this next part. Verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, like he wasn't done. The Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter, who had witnessed the upper room experience, they were there. They're seeing this. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that, this, that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. This hadn't happened yet. God's not following the rules. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't follow the rules? Because he doesn't have any rules. God does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, with whomever he wants. He is God and we are not. And he's breaking down barriers in this very moment. And their minds are being blown because the thing that they thought that was only available to the people of God, Israel. It happened in Jerusalem. They're seeing it happen in the lives of these Gentiles. And the Gentiles didn't even say a little prayer of salvation. They're just sitting and listening to Peter open his mouth and the Holy Spirit speaking through them. And we know by what happened is they believed. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, and I love this question, can anyone object to 
They're being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did. So he gave orders for them, for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Right then and there, let's go find a horse or cow trough and let's just do this thing. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with him for several days. And man, I would love to have listened to the conversations that happened there. Peter telling them more about this Jesus that they had believed in in this moment. And the Holy Spirit in that moment, in that same moment, decided in his wisdom to make clear, very clear, in the minds of everyone, this was what I've been wanting to do all along. This is my heart. This is what I'm doing. And there was no doubt. The last observation that I I want to make after reading the text is, is this, and it comes from back in verse 44, where the Holy Spirit upon, fell upon all who were listening to the message, is that we need the Holy Spirit to fulfill God's mission. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about what happens at salvation, where there's an impartation, or that, that the Spirit of God is in us the moment that we choose to believe that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he is and give our lives to him and serve him and let him be Lord of our lives. I'm, t- I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what Jesus said because the disciples had already obviously believed in Jesus at that point. And before he sent them out, he said, but I need you to go to Jerusalem and wait. Because he knew, just like he knew with these Gentiles in the home of Cornelius, that what they were about to take off into, what they were about to do, they were going to need this. And we are no exception. I find myself hearing about people getting saved. And I think, I'll be honest with you, in moments, I think, man, I wish I could do that. I wish that I had like the guts to, to say that or to just come out and like, you know what, let's put our relationship on the shopping block if, it, if that's what needs to happen here. But I just got to be, I just, I just need to ask you something. And I've found that the times that I have leaned in and asked, asked the Holy Spirit, spent time in God's presence, Asking him to fill me up with his spirit. Breaking my heart for those that are on their way to an eternity without him. I found myself in those moments um, going, I, I can't do this in my own strength. And that's the point. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us up, to do the things that he's called us and commanded us to do. And if it wasn't that way, Jesus would have totally said, 
Deuces, get her done. Go tell everybody. He didn't. He told them to wait. And they did. So what do we do with all this? God sent Jesus so that no one would perish. And so that everyone could have the opportunity to eternal life. And like we said earlier, that, that's always been and continues to be God's heart on missions. And so, I, so the challenge today is twofold. And maybe in the form of two different questions. Is how can we keep from getting in the way of that mission? And secondly, or maybe even better yet, how can we participate in God's mission at the highest level? And I believe that the answer is in those points. We've been doing uh, prayer first and third Wednesday night of every month. And so I want to be the first to say that if that's the only time in the month that you're praying, you're missing out on a whole lot. And if this hour and a half is the only time that you have to connect with God through your week, you're missing out on the best part of the Christian life. But there are opportunities nonetheless. And I've heard Pastor Ryan say uh, over and over again that no move of God has ever happened without the church getting on its knees. Because the, the amazing thing that happens about prayer is that God doesn't need prayer. <laughs> He's not up there with, a, with, with an ego complex, needing a bunch of people to talk to him and check in with him, make sure that he's doing okay up there. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. God answers prayer, but he's not the one needing prayer. We're the ones that are needing to pray. We're the ones that need connection with him. God's not needing or lacking anything. But he wants us. He desires us and our, and our heart above everything else. And so it's not, you know, I need, to, I, just, I need to do my devotional. I need to pray with God so I can check that box or keep him happy with me. It's not it at all. But prayer changes the posture of our heart. Prayer makes us more and more dependent on God. And the more I pray, I don't know about you, the more I pray, the more I realize I need God. And without Him, I can't do the things that He's put me on this earth to do. And prayer confronts me with that continually. And that's the point. He wants me to depend on Him. Because He is my everything. And anything and everything that I could ever need is found into him. But, but it's not, I need to give a bunch of stuff away to the poor so that can also be then in right standings with God. We have religions across the world that, that part of the, the whole idea is just working your way. And so you see people doing nice things and stuff like that. And I think Jesus up, is up there going, oh, that's really nice and stuff. But at the end of the day, I, I, care, I, care, I want your heart. 
Because if I've got your heart, if I've captivated your heart, then it's not I have to pray or that I have to give or that I have to share you with someone. It's I get to. I get to talk to the, the one who made the heavens and the earth. I, like, I can bend his ear. Like he, He'll actually hear me. He listens to me. He wants me. Like what was said earlier today. That you're... That you want us. God, thank you for that, man. Thank you for wanting us. But he doesn't need our prayers or he doesn't need us to give him our money. He owns everything. The Bible's clear that the earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And he wants to talk to us. Like he did me in the torpe- torpedo hole of that MRI machine. And sometimes we're not going to listen. Sometimes we're not going to get it right. Sometimes we're going to completely do the opposite of what we feel like the right thing we should have done is. But we have a Heavenly Father that doesn't stop talking to us because of that. And when we repent and say, God, I missed you on that. I was I cared too much about what that guy thought and not enough about what you thought. Would you forgive me? He hears that. And he continues to give us opportunity because he wants to talk to us. And when he speaks to us, and it's often through his word or that still small voice inside where the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, we need to listen and obey like Peter did. He didn't even know what he was stepping into, but he but he knew the Holy Spirit, what he had said, and he, and, he, and he responded in obedience without hesitation. But he also loves us enough and wants us to be a part of what he's doing, that he's not going to allow prejudice or anything like that. If we're willing to surrender it to him, he's not willing that anything like that would get in the way of us being a part of what he's doing here in Columbia. And so I don't know what that looks like for you, but I do know this, that a lot of the prejudices that I deal with are from my upbringing, from my background, from my existence up to this point in the world. I remember hearing my great-grandmother say some words that I, to be honest with you, thought only rappers said. But that was her upbringing. That was her, that was her story. That was part of what she had had to filter through. And so I'm not saying that as an excuse to you, but I am saying this, that at the end of the day, God loves us enough to not let us stay that way, especially if we have things wrong in our mind. Things like the way someone looks or maybe the way that someone acts or the things that a person does can somehow make you better than them. And I do believe with all my heart that God, it's not a matter of if, it's when. He begins to send those people. And I feel like he already has. Those people that, to be honest, that would make some of us uncomfortable. You're in, you're in, you're in, you're in great, um, you're in a great place. Peter would, would, would say, yeah, Absolutely. Can't imagine what Peter was going through Peter's mind as he's in that house. And I, and I know this because in the following chapter, he's talking to a bunch of believers in Jerusalem. And then while he's in the Gentiles' house, he's thinking, what am I going to tell the guys back home? 
when they hear that I was in this Gentile's house. But he didn't let that get in the way of what God asked him to do. And it was in that moment that God absolutely (laughs) flipped the script and said, Peter, I love you too much to leave that in your heart. I want your heart. Prejudice and me don't belong in the same heart. You've got to check it at the door. I love these people as much as I love you. And he showed him that by sealing that group of Gentiles with the same Holy Spirit as he had done to the Jews in Jerusalem. But Jesus was sent for all. It's, it's been God's plan, it is God's plan, and it will be God's plan that none should perish. And if you're here today and you've already placed your, your, uh, your life in Jesus' hands and, and, you've, and you've said, you know, my heart is yours, my, my life is yours, what, whatever you want me to do, Maybe the, maybe the encouragement today is that leaning into and, and asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you give me a burden for the lost? Would you fill me to the, to the place where I'm just overflowing and I can't keep it inside? To a place where I could care less what this person is going to think or say. I'm more concerned about what you think. I'm more concerned about what you think of this person and what you want to reveal to this person. And may I step in obedience with your spirit if you speak to me. So, wherever you're at today, my heart is this. What's the next step? What's the next step? Whether you have something that's standing in the way or getting in the way of being a part of God's mission or whether there's something and there's a moment to be able to step into a higher level of participation in God's mission. Because God has a mission. He will accomplish it. And he wants us and invites us to be a part of it. If you're a follower of his, it's actually a command. But once again, it's not, it's not another list of do's and don'ts. It went against the very nature of the believers in Jerusalem to sit and wait. Because when your life has been rocked by the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ, you can't shut up. You can't keep it back. And so I would say, in my own own moment of transparency, if you're having a hard time sharing Jesus with others, then maybe it's time to fall more in love with Jesus. Maybe it's time to spend more time in his presence. And I found when I do, I start to care for the things that he cares about. And the things that he could care less about become (laughs) things that just don't matter anymore. So, wherever you're at today, um, what I'd like to do is, in just a few moments of reflection, I don't know what that looks like. Um, Maybe you haven't had communion yet, and now would be an opportunity if if you have... If you're a follower of Jesus, to, to, to remember what he's done for you, maybe it's an opportunity to look at um, 
what God in his grace and mercy have allowed us to be a part of in the lives of some of these missionaries across the front. Maybe it's just sitting there quietly in his presence and asking, Holy Spirit, is there anything in me that is in the way of what you want to do in and through me in the lives of the people in this community and then in the lives of the people wherever that blue dot that's me that travels goes? Is there anything that gets in the way? Is there anything in my heart that wouldn't make straight the path for you? Or is there something that you're calling me to, to do, to say, to be, that will take me from a place where I feel like I'm on the sidelines watching this whole God mission thing, where I, I want to get, I want to get in the game. I want to be, I want to be a participant. I want to be used by God to be a part of what He is doing. And so, whatever that looks like, can we do that for just a few moments? in a time of reflection, don't know what that looks like, don't know exactly where you're at on all of that. And then we'll just close out in a word of prayer. Would that be okay? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for, for your family of people that are here today. Thank you for your word, specifically in, in Acts, this account that really changed things. This moment was a game changer for your church at this point. And what they had going on was extremely narrow-minded. And in a moment, you walk in and you just <laughs> just drop a bomb on the whole thing. And, and, and everything that they thought you were going to do and what it was going to look like and how you were going to do it completely just, you turned it on its end, on, upside down. That's the kingdom that you've come to establish. You don't do things the way that we do things. And so, Lord, I pray that you would um, position our hearts to to help us get rid of the things in our hearts that don't belong that would get in the way of being a part of the work that you have begun here in Colombia in, in the circles that you've placed us in but I'll, I pray also that you prepare our hearts and and give us a, a passion and a desire to to want to participate at a higher level not in a term of trying to earn anything but just that we'd spend time with you in your presence and you would break our hearts for the things that break yours. And we'd get angry about the things that, that anger your heart. And that your Holy Spirit would give us a boldness that's beyond anything we could ever do in our, in our, in our own strength. That you would call us into a life that would, that would continually just be doing and saying and being something that we could never be, say, or do in our own strength that you'd position our hearts for what you're about to do like Peter if we walk in and and what we thought it was going to look like or what we how we thought it was going to go if it just goes completely different that we'd still in this moment like Peter say is there anybody that can keep us from 
from baptizing these people? Is there anyone that can keep us from saying what Jesus has done for us? That we'd sit in celebration and that you'd begin to position our hearts to, to, in essence, plow the fields of our hearts so that we're ready when you bring people, as you continue to bring people in that are, in their minds, far from you, that you would inundate us with, with the people that no one else wants. And that we'd check our preferences at the door. We'd check any prejudices at the door. We're thankful that that you love us. That you've chosen to adopt us into your family, to grandfather us in. We just want to say thank you. There's nothing we could ever do to deserve it. We just, if nothing else, have a heart of gratitude. We're just saying thank you. And help us to understand that if we've received and we have the best message in all of the world, would you speak clearly to our hearts, giving us opportunities to be able to share who you are, what you've done, what you think of those around us. Get us to a place where we're more dependent on your spirit. We pray prayers and we do things that unless you show up, we're going to look stupid. But let us walk in with that kind of faith, with a heart that's, that could care less about what it looks like, could care less about any of the that stuff, but at the end of the day, a heart that just wants to please you, that wants to bring glory to your name, that it could care less about who gets credit in terms of any human that's involved, but more about that you would get credit, that you would get glory, that people would see you, that people would experience you, and that you would use us in those moments. We love you. We're so thankful that you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody, thanks for coming. If you would like, letters to read up here, maybe, if you would like. Take communion home if you already haven't, if you would like to do that. And uh, we'll see you next week.